the trick is how do you remove that pain early in the business so that your communication skills are ready for, for scaling up what you're doing? Welcome to Monday Mornings with Michelle, the new business podcast. Whether you're kicking off your day or kickstarting your business, Michelle is going to kick your ass into next week with the essential fours. Strategy, systems, support, and state of mind. Now, welcome to center stage, Michelle Nedelec. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I am super glad that you're here with us today because I am here with my amazing guest, Brandon. Brandon, thank you so much for being here with us today. Of course, Michelle. Great to be on. Thanks for having me. So give us a 5,000-foot view of who you are and what you love to do. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Brandon Kumarasamy. I'm the founder of MasterTalk. MasterTalk is a YouTube channel I started many years ago to help the world master the art of communication and public speaking. And I also have a private coaching practice where I coach entrepreneurs and executives to become top 1% communicators in their industry. Love that. So how did you get started in speaking? Yeah. So when I was in university, Michelle, I used to do these things called case competitions. They were like professional sports, but for nerds. And so other guys my age were playing uh, rugby or baseball or basketball, some other dangerous thing I probably wasn't accustomed to. I did presentations competitively and that's how I learned how to speak. The thing was, a lot of students started entering that program as well to do these case competitions, but we didn't have a communication coach. So I just said, oh, might as well figure this out. So I started coaching all these people myself, mostly just out of love. And I accidentally got really good at coaching other people how to speak. So when I got a corporate job at IBM, I worked there for a few years as a technology consultant. I had the idea for MasterTalk because I realized everything that I was teaching them wasn't available on the internet for free. So I started posting videos in my basement and then a few years later it turned into a business. Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. fantastic. So give us an idea of kind of how do you do what you do when you're working with somebody? Like, do you teach them how to stand, where to talk? <laughs> what are you doing with them? Yeah, of course. So the approach I always take is, you know, I believe communication is like a multiplier effect. Michelle. So we master one vertical. And then as we build those verticals over time, we become more masterful at communication. Another analogy I like to use is kind of like communication is juggling 18 balls at the same time. One of those balls is filler words. Uh, uh, blizz. Another ball is pausing more. Another ball is vocal variety on and on. So the trick is mastering one ball at a time until we master all 18. So the first ball that I recommend people start with that I coach clients on is the random word exercise. So all you have to do is you pick a random word, like makeup, uh, laptop, and you create presentations out of thin air and that builds your resiliency as a speaker over time. Oh, super fun. So when you were working or when you were at university, is that what you would do is kind of get together and do those kind of exercises or? Yeah, back then, actually, Michelle, the, the purpose was a lot more specific since a lot of people were, were doing these competitions to win them and get corporate jobs. So most of my coaching back then was really just focused on making them winners in those slides. So I'd coach them a lot on slides. But then when I, when I started doing this as a coach, I had to re-engineer my own success because you know a lot of people you know, in the world don't know what a case competition is, don't apply that context. So I had to go back and just ask myself, how did I learn how to speak? Because I never really had a coach. I'm, I'm more of just, I just made a bunch of mistakes and I learned. So I developed my own framework over time where I've made hundreds of mistakes and that's where it landed on. Nice. I love that. So who do you mostly work with now? 
Yeah, most of my clients today are executives in the corporate world, think managers who want to become VPs or SVPs in companies. They're coaches who want to scale their coaching practice. They want help on messaging better in their sales calls, having better first impressions, delivering better for free trainings. And then the third type of, of client that we work with is the entrepreneur who wants to scale their teams. So they improve their communication skills to manage their teams better and to sell more business. Well, that's awesome. So give us an example of a Cinderella story. One of your clients that wasn't going so hot and then <laughs> they worked with you. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to, Michelle. So I would say one of my clients in particular, she's the CEO of a technology company in Montreal, and she helps women feel more beautiful through uh, makeup technology that she sells. So it's specifically fingernails that you put on your fingers and they light up in different colors. So you don't have to apply nail polish. So it's a really fascinating technology. And that's what she's, she did her PhD on. And for her, she, she had an amazing, you know, amazing product, right? It's a great product, but she didn't know how to message it. She didn't know how to share it with the world. So what I did in those 12 weeks with her is I really helped her refine her pitch. So when she goes out there, whether it's on a podcast, whether she's communicating an idea in like a conference room, that not only is she talking about her business, but that her communication is also leading to employees who want to work for her, more sales from customers, where women in the crowd going, I kind of want that. I kind of want that. Uh, sounds like a really interesting technology. And also just inspiring investors to give her capital to raise more money in the business. Nice. I love that. So how important would you say it is for people, say specifically, that are going out for capital, that they are articulate. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah. You, you know, you know, the, the way that I would say this, Michelle, is human beings are flawed in nature. You know, even if we like to look at the objectives, we like to look at the facts, the numbers, and those are all important. We all do. There's also an emotional side to something. So let's say I came into this very same episode and I gave you the exact same information, but it sounded more like this. Yeah. Yeah. So Michelle, this is what I'm thinking. And I look annoyed to be there. Even if I'm saying the same information, you'll perceive me in a completely different way. So that's the key, right? Is when we're raising capital, we, always, we also don't want to forget that we're speaking to human beings. So the way that we need to message our presentations is not saying like, oh, I really need your money, Michelle. Please invest in my company. Rather than saying, oh, you know, based on all the results that we've had, this is a rocket ship that's taking off. So you can join us if you want. But it's totally fine because there's 15 other people waiting in line to, to give us money anyways. And that's the mindset we want to develop in a pitch. Nice. I love that. So if somebody comes to you, like a lot of people that I know are like, I want to talk, but I'm afraid to talk. And is it all about technique? Is it about emotional aspects? Like what is all involved in being able to stand on stage and articulate yourself all? Yeah. So great question, Michelle. You know, the way I think about the 80-20 to, to communication is three key pillars that we focus on. So the first one is presentation skills, the obvious, one, right? We, we're presenting, we're learning how to speak and generate ideas and communicate them. And, you know, we're a bit afraid. So we build some momentum over time, practice the random word exercise, apply the puzzle methodology that I'm happy to talk about here, where people practice the edges of a presentation first to build momentum, to feel the confidence, and then they start working on their content. That's the first pillar. Then the second one is a pillar I called executive mastery. So executive mastery, whether you're an entrepreneur or a coach, you're still an executive at the end of the day because you're managing people. So in that situation, thinking about areas of communication that most people don't really think about. So I'll give you an example. Communicating feedback in a way where people don't just feel informed, they feel inspired. 
most managers and leaders, when they give feedback to people, usually sound something like this. Okay, this is what you need to work on. This is what you did well. See you next month. And you'll just go, oh my God, I have like a laundry list of things to do. Versus saying, hey, Michelle, love the three goals that we wrote down last time. These are the three goals. How have those goals progressed? Wow, oh my God, a leader remembered my three goals. First of all, I feel really inspired to work here. And another example I can give really quick is how to answer questions on a podcast, right? Because when you're communicating an idea or you get asked questions on a sales call, you want to make sure you don't sound like this. Uh, uh, I don't really know the answer. So those are a couple of things. And then the third pillar is relationship building. Thanks. You <laughs> will just toss that one aside. Yeah. <laughs> Let's I was just monologuing too long. That's <laughs> you're doing awesome. I, when I'm intrigued, I let you go on. It's, it's all good. So talk to me about the first one. How does that concept work? Where do you start with it? Yeah, absolutely. So, so presentation skills are a couple of things. I would say the one key theme of that pillar, though, Michelle, is momentum. So let's say you, you start an experience or you're getting started in your journey to public speaking. You probably aren't practicing presentations in a fun way because most of our presentations are at work. There's a lot of stress. There's a punishment attached to it. Not the best way to learn a skill. And so instead, you want to do the random word exercise and make it fun. So what I recommend people do, especially if you're a bit older listening to this and you have kids or nieces or nephews, is do the random word exercise with them. Like give them a word, have them give you a word. And what this does, it seems trivial, but what it does is it helps you do the harder thing outside of the boardroom. So if you're a lot better at talking about avocados, when you go back to your subject matter expertise, which is probably not avocados, except for the avocado farmers who are watching this episode, (laughs) you're going to be able to communicate your ideas succinctly and effectively. The other piece to presentations is what I call the puzzle analogy. So public speaking, Michelle, for me, is kind of like a jigsaw puzzle. You know those uh, puzzle toys we used to play as kids? Some of us still do them. They where we put those pieces together. Right. So I'll ask you a simple question. Don't worry. It's not like uh, nothing hard. So let's say you're wor- working on it. So the question is simply this, Michelle, if, if you're working on a puzzle, yes. which pieces would you start with first and what? Usually I start with the outside ones because they're easiest to identify and then the rest of the picture comes into place. Exactly. hundred percent. You got it. Right, so don't worry, it wasn't meant to be a hard question. So, so you're right. So you go, skip this one. So, and don't worry, that's the hardest question I have. And yeah, gave me the answer. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was nice of you, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. I should probably do that in the future. But, anyways. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. Edges, edges, right? So, for those yeah. who, who are not sure what I'm talking about here, what Michelle means and what I mean is the, the, pieces are easier to find in the box because they got those little edges to them. So you take them out, do the outline, then tackle the middle. But here's the thing. We don't do that in presentations, Michelle. We tend to do the opposite. We shove a bunch of content. We get to the presentation. We ramble throughout the whole thing. And then our last slide sounds something like this. Uh, Yeah, so um, thanks. (laughs) Not the right approach. So instead of... (laughs) so the right approach is practice with the edges in mind practice the introduction 30 40 50 times until it's amazing do the same thing with the conclusion because what's a great movie with a terrible ending last time i checked terrible movie right and then tackle the middle so that's pillar one nice i love that so give us an idea of what somebody might use as an intro 
Yeah, absolutely. So, so the way that I think about it with introductions is there's not really a right answer. It's more about trying different ideas and themes and then figuring out what makes the most sense for your idea. So I'll give an example. Let's say you're presenting, let's, let's use the client that I was using before, right? So for her, it was about showcasing that there's a big problem in the market that she's solving. So when she did her introduction, she focused on the idea that women spend on average an hour or two a week doing or removing nail polish. And imagine how many hours that is in a year. It's like massive. How could they be reinvesting that hour back into their families, back to their communities, into their corporate careers if they have one? or their ambitions. And that's really the story that she told at the beginning. And she used herself as an example, because she's also a woman, right? When she was doing her PhD, she struggled because she she did, she did wanted to put mini nail polish on in the morning, but she didn't have time for it because she was doing her, her thesis. So that's the story. So going back to what is the one key idea from your presentation? If people could only remember one thing, how can you use your introduction and speech to introduce that one thing? Nice. I love that. So to me, where I see people kind of faltering the furthest, the fastest is in their one minute infomercial, if you if you want, or their introduction. Somebody says, what do you do? What did they answer to that? What, in your opinion, is the most important part of that one minute speech? Mm, I love it. So di there's different ways of approaching that. So there's the the 60 minute, 60 second commercial where you're talking to someone one-on-one -on -one super informal and then there's the 60 second okay I'm on a podcast or I'm in a networking circle and everyone's really talking about what they're doing so let's go through all of them let's start with the the 60 second information for me it's super simple it's just three questions okay mm -hmm. who are you what are you passionate about what are you working on and why are you working on this? This is the third question is what I feel a lot of business owners are missing, right? Going back to Simon Sinek's golden circle, we really don't care what you're doing or what or how you're doing it. We care a lot more about why you're doing it, right? So for me, the reason why I started Master Talk was for the seven-year-old girl who can't afford me. I think the next Elon Musk is probably some eight-year-old girl in Cambodia, right? Who wants to work in the communication skills, but can't afford me. So my mission is how do I take the coaching revenue that I make from clients and reinvest it into my, in my YouTube channel so that it's more accessible. So now when people hear the why, they go, okay, I'm more drawn to Brendan. But if I say something like, here, here's what I am. This is my package. This is my package's cost. You're kind of just like, okay, like I got it. So think about who you are, what you're passionate about, what you're working on, your business, but also why is that important to you? And that's really the secret to that 60-second commercial. And for the more informal one, I don't even talk about what I do. Maybe one sense. I might say something like, I'm a communication coach and I make YouTube videos on public speaking. So usually when I say something like that, they usually go, oh, why? Like, why are you doing public you speaking do. YouTube videos? And then I, then I, go, then I go into the infomercial. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah, that's I like it. that. So clearly everybody needs a YouTube channel so that they sound more intriguing. <laughs> it's it's it honestly helps. It's it's helped me grow my business quite a bit uh, accidentally. Nice. But yeah. Very cool. I like that. So while we're here, what's your YouTube channel? Oh, it's called Master Talk. Nice. Go and check that one out. Yeah. Sounds awesome. Cool. So what are some of the stumbling blocks that you've noticed that people have before they come and see you and they go, Oh my God, I need you so badly? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say the first one is definitely lack of accountability. So they want to work on it, but they're busy executives, they're busy entrepreneurs. They need someone to just push that a little bit, 
right, to, to go towards to prioritize that. And despite how, how communication is so important in our lives, Michelle, we don't realize how important it is until it becomes a really big pain point. So let's say as an example, let's say you're, you're a six-figure entrepreneur right now. You don't feel the pain of a lack of communication just yet because you might be a solopreneur. You might have a team of two or three people. But when you get to a million and you're managing a team of 25 people, no one understands what the direction is or what you're trying to achieve, then you feel the pain a lot more. So the trick is, how do you remove that pain early in the business so that your communication skills are ready for, for scaling up what you're doing? So, so going on that, I would say the other barrier besides lack of accountability is the idea of fear, right? Just the fear of starting, the fear of starting a podcast like this, the fear of putting themselves out there. And what I always say as a remedy to that is it's this idea of message versus fear. So the analogy is kind of like a boxing ring. So one side of the boxing ring is the fear, the anxiety, the social stress around communication. And then the other side of the ring is the message. Why is it important for you to share? Why is it important for people to do that thing? So the fear that I always want to stress, Michelle, is never going to disappear. I'll give you an example with me. If Elon Musk called us right now and said, hey, Brenda, I need you to coach me on my communication, I'd probably shit my pants. Like, just... <laughs> Like it's going to happen, right? There's there's always something. There's always something. There's always something. The goal is never. And you know, I've coached a lot of great people, but the point I want to drive is like, if Elon called me, yeah. Like so, even for someone like me who's teaching communication, the fear will still there, will still be there. So the goal is not to remove the fear, but rather make sure that when your message and your fear meet in the middle of the boxing ring that your message gets the knockout punch. It's not about removing the fear. It's about making sure that the message is slightly more important than the fear. And if you can just get that arbitrage, you'll be able to take action. Thanks, I love that. I think some of the best talks I've ever heard were people that were obviously afraid of being there. Um, <laughs> they have that, that speaker's fear, but they never said that they were. So the one thing that drives me crazy is when people get up and they go, oh, my God, I'm terrified of this. It's like, yeah, we know <laughs> so you're stating the obvious and move on. <laughs> Don't do that. But when you feel it and you go up and, and you know your message and that comes clear, I think that's actually a really magical moment. Because when somebody's bored out of their mind and they just get up on stage and they do their talk the same thing they've done all the time and they have to muster up that excitement of, of doing it again, then it's almost painful to watch. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, this episode is a good example too, because I don't say different stuff on, on every podcast, right? No one's asked what my favorite color is. No one's ah! asked what, what, how many dogs I have, right? But th the message is so important that we're willing to re-communicate the same thing because we're excited about what that message can bring to other people. So I completely agree with what you said. Nice. And I feel bad for you. So what's your favorite color? <laughs> what is my favorite color crap i should have prepared it's probably navy blue actually <laughs> i was gonna say but well you can move on are you a dog person or a cat person <laughs> definitely a dog person <laughs> there you go we get to know all the good good fuzzy warm fuzzy things about you that's awesome <laughs> so i have to ask you this at what point in life did you know that you're a special kind of crazy enough to become an entrepreneur not for not until recently i would say you know, when I was in university, I was like the anti-entrepreneur, Michelle. I actually thought entrepreneurship was for people who couldn't get six-figure corporate jobs. That was my That's thought probably process. probably true, too. <laughs> yeah. 
So, so when I was in university, like my goal was to be a senior partner at IBM or at McKinsey or work at PricewaterhouseCoopers or something, some accounting firm. And that's what I did. That's why I did case competitions, actually, because a lot of these executives, they come and judge these competitions at companies Ooh. so they can spot talent. So that's why I did them. I didn't do them because I was passionate about communication. I am now. But when I started, that wasn't the case. And then that decision got me the job that I wanted, got me the financial freedom I wanted. And then when I got to that point, I realized I didn't want that anymore. So I pretty much cut my salary in half. And then I became an entrepreneur probably a year and year and a half ago after coaching for many, many years. So I think what I would say for me, the pivotal moment was when I realized my time was more valuable than my money. Right. There's a great quote on this by one of my, my all-time heroes, Scott Harrison, who's the CEO of Charity Water. It's like a nonprofit he started to help people get access to water. And the quote that he shares in the book that I'll never forget for the rest of my life is, the goal is not to live forever, but rather create something that will. Ooh. So when I looked, Yeah. So when I looked at my life and I said, okay, if I could make just, I mean, I do better now, but you know, at the time I was like, okay, yeah. if I could make just the same amount of money that I did in my IBM corporate job, or even just a little bit less, would, would I do entrepreneurship full-time? And I said, yes. So I actually saved money for two and a half years while I was building Master Talk on the side, working my job, replaced almost all of my income, took literally like anti-entrepreneur. I was the most risk-averse person. So that when I jumped into entrepreneurship, I was already ready. To, to go into it. So, so my advice is always uh, side hustle comfortably if you can. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there's no risk. That is awesome. Side hustle comfortably. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's so many good visuals that go with that too. Yeah. Like the marketer the that I am. <laughs> that is awesome. Cool. It has been an absolute pleasure talking to you today, Brendan. Uh, any last words for our peeps? Yeah, I would say the last word is just a question, Michelle. And the question to help us reframe the negativity that comes with communication that I hate, by the way, in my industry. Oh, the fear, the stress, we're all going to die. I was like, hey, relax, guys, just communication. So, so the question is, how would your life change if you're an exceptional speaker? How would your life change if you're an exceptional communicator? Communication is so much more than speaking on a stage. It's the way that we communicate with our families. It's the way that we talk to strangers when we travel. It's the way that we play with our children. That's the game. That's what we're trying to do. And once we become better communicators, we find that reason why it matters to us. For all of us, that reason is different. We'll be way more motivated to see the benefits of communication and have fun mastering in the process. I love that. And I just realized, I asked you about your YouTube channel, but I know that people are going to be totally stoked about starting their journey with you. How did they begin that journey? Yeah, absolutely, Michelle. So besides the YouTube channel, which is just Master Talk, to your point, for those of you who are interested in coaching, just go to one of my free trainings. We have a live interactive Zoom call every two weeks where I, I'm there. I'm coaching people for free on that call. It's not a recorded webinar. And the way you access that is rockstarcommunicator.com. Very fun. And do they get to talk about things like laptops and rabbits and avocados? Oh yeah, we got the whole thing. We got destiny, we got intuition, we got all a bunch of fun words. Awesome. That sounds like fun. Give us a website again. Yeah, rockstarcommunicator.com. Awesome. I love it. it. This has been a joy. Thank you so much for your time. I know it's valuable. And peeps, this is Michelle Nedelak. Thank you for being with us here today. Be sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app so that we can help you scale your business. I love having you here. 
Thank you for listening to our show. I'm all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support that they need to make it in business. As such, the notes for this show can be found at our website at awarenessstrategies.com slash blog. Be sure to subscribe, give us a rating, I like five stars personally, and share with your friends.